fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Wolfpack, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves here with your week four fantasy football recap. We're going to talk all your rest of season risers, fallers, obviously some big injuries. That's where we're going to start here, as well as the waiver wire, where you can look if you lost some people this weekend or you need some reinforcements. It's been a bloody brutal week four. We got two games on tonight, so games are not yet decided. Some big offenses with the Chiefs, Packers, and uh, of course the Falcons, as well as the New England Patriots, unfortunately, with Brian Hoyer. So I'm going to try to rip through all this. I know you guys are probably watching the game and wanting to watch that instead of the Wolf here. But if you're catching the replay, thanks so much. Or on the podcast, Fantasy Fullback Dive, we paved your path to 2020 titles. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's rip through some of this news. And you got to start at the top here with Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler, two RB1s going down with injuries that should shelve them for about six weeks, it's looking like. And that is, of course, huge news for anybody without them. Number one, Kareem Hunt. I mean, holy shit. We talked about this guy as a league winner all offseason. If anything happens to Chubb, and now it has. We saw two touchdowns, 71 yards, and only 11 carries against the Cowboys. You got to expect moving forward 18 to 20 carries. They do like to keep it somewhat shared. We saw that with Stefanski and Dalvin Cook, and then also Alex Madison works in for about 8 to 10. But ultimately, this is the Kareem Hunt show. He is such a supremely talented back. That, you know, maybe not quite the runner of Chubb, but not a fall drop off. So getting the monopoly of that workload, I consider him top five every single week for the next five, six weeks, however long uh, Chubb is out. So that bumps Hunt right up into my top 15 or so rest of season big boards. Uh, If you're in a win now mode, do everything you can to get this guy. He's going to eat. Now behind him. Dernis Johnson had 13 carries, you know, 9.5 fantasy points on the day. Looked like a pretty good hard-running fit for that zone-blocking scheme. Can't sit here and pretend to know much about Dernis Johnson right now, uh, but still out there in 99% of leagues and should be in line for some some decent work within this zone-blocking scheme. If you're desperate at running back, if you lost Chubb and don't have Hunt, Dernis Johnson is the next man up that you're looking to be after, of course, Hunt. Now, uh, the, the trickier situation here is Austin Eckler. What happens behind him? Well, maybe Josh Kelly. He he comes in immediately and, and kind of shits the bed. Didn't do much in his fill-in duty here. Uh, but he played over Justin Jackson. Jackson seeing eight touches as well and doing pretty much nothing. Uh, Kelly doing nine rushes for seven yards. He did get some targets in the receiving game, racking up three receptions on three targets, 26 yards. Nothing special, uh, and it was a pretty near-even split. So, yeah, these guys obviously rise in value, Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly. But, like, if they're out there, I'm not going here to break the complete bank on one of them. In fact, Jackson could be the one that ends up outperforming Kelly, who is the the nominal kind of starter here. I own Kelly, and I'm not sitting here 
all excited about him without Eckler there. I think it's going to be a pretty gross committee. I think they're going to start relying on Herbert even more, who we'll talk about in the waiver wire section. Very excited about his upside and his upcoming schedule, a complete joke. Uh, but ultimately, those guys have to rise in value. Uh, Low-end RB2 flex for Kelly, maybe a, a desperation type of flex for Justin Jackson as we see them shake it out. Kelly has looked decent on his limited opportunities, but the fumbling problems, uh, that's not going to fly here. So ultimately, uh, he's got to either get that fixed or could become um, the, the Justin Jackson show for these next six or so weeks. That's a hamstring, of course, for Austin Eckler. He could not put any pressure on it, uh, did not look good at all. So they're thinking, you know, IR, about six weeks, you're going to have to have an, another plan for him. Uh, that's kind of the biggest injuries of the weekend uh, and probably the biggest storyline there. Again, the most available would be Darius Johnson, followed by Justin Jackson as the two kind of replacement plans for those guys on your waiver wire. Uh, but let me know how you're looking, how you're feeling. If you're tuned in on Facebook and don't mind giving this a like, same on Twitter, YouTube, uh, the thumbs up buttons or the like buttons always help this get more discovered. It'd be greatly appreciated. Any shares, uh, comments, great. Give me, get in, give me all your questions. Let's get it in Wolfpack. Let's get it done. Uh, what do we make of this one? The studs from the dead. Joe Mixon, let's start with him. What a monster game. And if I told you to bench him, my apologies. I, I still had him in my top 20 running backs or so. So I still, you know, decent chance he was in there. I, uh, you know, CJ definitely was saying stick with your studs on the sit start show. He gets 25 rushes, 151 yards and two TDs catching. This is the big development, six targets for 30 yards and another score. It was those targets in particular. Now, we knew he was in a better spot because of the positive potential game flow, averaging entering the game 17 fantasy points and wins, you know, close to under 11 in losses. So already against the Jaguars, a positive setup there for a win, maybe a run heavier script. But what was definitely more encouraging was that receiving work. 83% of snaps for Joe Mixon, 25 carries, six targets to only 17% of snaps for Bernard, who sees two carries and zero targets. That might be the biggest thing here is mixing became that focal point, that every down back. And look what the Bucky did. 45 fantasy points. Why did it take this long? Freaking Zach Taylor. Are you kidding me? Well, thank God it finally happened. And, and you got to imagine it stays that way moving forward. So when I, you know, look at that as like, Hey, is it sell high? Or we, you know, get my value now. Well, I'm mixing now. Nah. Not with him, at least. I'm feeling pretty good about Mixon. This is what we expected all year. You know, Taylor raved about how he played in the second half of last year and how he's going to do that all season. This was the first game we finally saw it. Uh, 25 routes run to Bernard's five, six again targets to his zero. That's the type of usage we've been begging to see. Now let's like you know wait and see and make sure it continues before we hammer this guy as a top five rest of season back. But this is the top five rest of season upside we were expecting all year. So we are thrilled to see that receiving game usage from Joe Mixon. Now, Odell Beckham, on the other hand, you know, another stud that has been pretty quiet, especially since he's been in Cleveland, pretty quiet just overall. He blows up. Of course, he's facing me. Uh, obviously, he was going to blow up. Everybody should have known that. Uh, should have had him in all my DraftKings lineups, knowing he was on the other side. Uh, but gets five of eight targets, hauls him in for 81 yards, two scores, and then also scores. This was the backbreaker, the 50-yard rushing touchdown. Damn, what a monster effort, you know, over 35 fantasy points in most settings here. I do take this as a sell-high opportunity. Now, I will say the positive. Odell looks far more explosive than he looked last year. Uh, ultimately, he is in a, a just definitely better shape, recovered from that groin injury we saw last year. I feel good about that. The thing is, is he still only got eight targets. You know, 
Baker Mayfield only put up what 150 yards through the air. This offense is still run first, second, third, if we can. Uh, and that makes me ultimately a little bit nervous. I like the trick trick plays, getting him into, you know, space, all that unique usage, definitely appealing here, but I'm not banking on these eruptions. I think we're going to get a handful more. Yes, but you're going to have a lot more of the, the, what we saw those first three weeks, low usage, low upside, uh, obviously I shouldn't say low upside, low floor, huge ceiling. I, I just think he kind of tapers out at the floor more often than the ceiling. So I would use this if owners are like, oh man, he's back. He's back as a player. I don't think the usage is going to be there every single week. So if I can sell high on Odell, I will. Joe Mixon, I'm buying a little bit more though. I uh, just want to mention Amari Cooper, the PPR wide receiver one so far. And the question becomes, I'm getting this one a bit on Twitter. Is this sustainable? Is this what's going to happen? And I think so. He's playing that that Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams target hog role we've seen under Mike McCarthy. And that's kind of what we predicted coming into the year. And it's been a whopping 204 target pace right now uh, from this guy. 51 targets in these first four weeks. Uh, ridiculous on pace for 148 receptions, over 1,600 yards. Only one touchdown, and he's still the PPR uh, wide receiver one right now. So I'm buying that. I'm liking that. Just another monster performance coming in from this week. It's just a bath of targets every single week for Amari Cooper. And I don't see any reason why that's going to change outside of maybe injury. So I, I love him. I mean, Dak obviously is on an absolute tear. The most passing yards through the first four weeks of anybody ever. Most fantasy points in that span as well for any quarterback ever. I'm buying it. And if his owner is not, if you know some people are nervous for Cooper and the way he's faded and been inconsistent in the past, I think this volume definitely continues. Uh, I am not selling. I am trying to buy if anybody is trying to get rid of him. I don't know why you would. Uh, but ultimately, I'm a believer in this, that Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams role. Now, right behind him, C.D. Lamb, welcome to the NFL end zone, baby. Scores his first touchdown and then follows it up with another one. Solid game. Seven targets, hauls in five of them for 79 and two scores. Uh, kind of regains that number two on the target totem pole that we, we raved about a couple weeks ago that seems to still be the case despite disappearing uh, last week, not disappearing, but relatively compared to what we had been seeing. Said Wilson, yeah, he still was there, six targets. But ultimately, that's coming at the expense more of Michael Gallup, it seems. Only five targets below said Wilson, below Dalton Schultz, 29 yards. I mean, we saw the blow up from Gallup. So yeah, there is weekly upside, but it's clear to me he is the one at the bottom of that target totem pole behind CD, certainly behind Amari, and contending right now with Dalton Schultz who gets eight targets, second on the team there, hauls in four of them for 72 yards and a score. Now the tight end five in the fantasy season. I'm loving Schultz right now. I, I own him 15 points, and, and I feel pretty damn good at that weekly role. The shot at a touchdown every week, he, he uses that big frame in the red zone well. Uh, so I'm liking everybody in this passing game outside of Michael Gallup, who takes another bump down the big board uh, rest of season-wise. Oh, my man, Antonio Gibson, baby. Uh, best, best day as a professional so far, 13 carries 43 yards in the 46 yards rather than a touchdown as well as 82 yards through the air on four receptions. I mean, this guy's a monster. The talent is so real. I love that the touchdown came after like two or three failed Peyton Barber attempts. We see 
Gibson just going and pounding, and he had gotten them down to the goal line. So I was like, are oh, you really going to fucking vulture this guy after he works his ass off, get you to the stripe? They went back to him on third down. He pounded in. That was the best part. The run was like just a leg drive. He had. He didn't get fancy with it. He just plowed right through. The dude is a fucking strong, strong man. And Barber getting stuffed twice made it that much more uh, glorious. Now, ultimately, McKissick still played the most snaps, 54, 54% of the snaps, only seeing two carries, but those eight targets as well. Gibson seeing 44% of the snaps, 13 carries, five targets. But you're seeing the way he's producing. I mean, McKissick did nothing on that work, on those opportunities, whereas Gibson ripping up the field. To me, it's only a matter of time until we see that get into like the 60% snaps for Gibson, maybe even creeping into the 70s. Uh, but man, that was a beautiful performance against a tough, hard-nosed Ravens defense, uh, nonetheless. And another Redskin also making this list. And I got to kind of eat a little crow here. I said people told people to bench this guy, Terry McLaurin, matchup proof, officially stamp it. He's injured, doesn't matter. 14 targets, whew, 10 of them get hauled in for 118 yards. Just an absolute definition of an alpha wide receiver one, getting it done against one of the better secondaries in the league. Uh, although they've gotten roasted back-to-back weeks. So maybe I'm overrating this Ravens team just a little bit. But McLaurin, he is as good as we expected, if not even better. Uh, has had two monster days and just been highly involved in the others as well. So he's an alpha target. Devontae Parker, another dev- alpha target, getting 12 looks, hauling in 10 of them for 110 yards. I mean, fits it openly admitting. I look to him first. Like I, He's my guy. I trust him. So that's the, the little risk here. Uh, is what happens if Tua takes over? Will Devontae Parker continue to be this monster alpha? We'll see. Uh, It makes me a little nervous. You know, Tua, will he give him those jump balls? You think a quarterback upgrade should help a wide receiver, but in this case, bombs away, fits, kind of lets it rip carelessly. I don't know that Tua is going to do the same thing, uh, and and that could end up adversely affecting Parker. So maybe, just maybe, a little bit of a sell high with them hinting Two was in the works. You know, he did not fully blind Brian Flores endorse Ryan Fitzmagic coming into this week. So he's another one uh, that that I love what I'm seeing, but maybe now is the time to sell. Now, DJ Chark just wanted to you know emphasize he was back, looked fully healthy, hauls in eight of his nine targets, 95 yards, two scores. Just the offense, the way it hums with him, so much more smooth. Gardner Minshew, who had another bounce back week, two touchdowns, you know, 300. The dude had a good game. That offense can certainly keep up with the best of them when they have Chark. So good to see him back to his target hog ways. Uh, definitely keep him right locked in as a wide receiver to high end wide receiver to at that. Um, but somebody who's probably not a wide, you know, maybe a wide receiver too at best here, DJ Moore. Oh, there's a couple people owners are going to be freaking out about this week. Uh, and DJ Moore is deservedly one of them. Um, the other one being Kenyon Drake, but more uh, just a, a pretty abysmal game here. Hall's in four of six targets, 49 measly yards, no touchdowns after leading the team in back-to-back uh, games with air target percentage. You know, he's seeing some of that volume, but ultimately, and I get this argument a lot. It's like, well, you know, Brandon Cooks ran 93% routes. The dude didn't do fucking anything with it. So who gives a shit how much he's seeing? Like, yeah, I get a volume game. I get all that. But at a certain point, let's see the production follow up with the usage. And it's very clear right now, the chemistry is not there with DJ Moore and Teddy Bridgewater. It's much more there with Robbie Anderson. 
we have the wrong alpha here the entire time? He gets 11 targets, so out-targets him. Hall's in eight of them. Certainly much more production there coming from Robbie Anderson. 99 yards. And this has just been the, the raw. It's like week in and week out. Robbie produces. DJ Moore leaves a lot on the table. Everybody's you know, froths at the mouth, including me, at what we see of the usage in the air yards. But nothing's happening with it, whereas Anderson's just dominating right now. He's he's leading the team with 34 targets. The running backs come in at 33. I mean, Mike Davis, alpha, wide receiver one here. Uh, DJ Moore at 32. So third on the team. Receptions, 30 to the running backs, 28 to Anderson. Only 18 to Moore right now. Anderson, you know, almost 100 yards more at 377 to 288 for Moore. Uh, and he also has the touchdowns where Moore has none. So to me, it seems like we might have misevaluated this one. That uh, they're using Anderson in such unique ways. His game has completely evolved. Shocker when he got away from Adam fucking Gase. Oh man, that's that's a surprise. But he really is showing more yak skills, uh, intermediate, just dominating with quickness off the line. Whereas more just isn't getting it done right now. And I will admit, I am worried. I have those two now neck and neck in my rest of season rankings. Uh, if it's just a matter of those things where like you can't linger too much on, on your preseason ranks and how much we had more, how everybody had more as like a third rounder at a certain point, you got to just accept the roses and the facts. It's looking like it's the Anderson show here. Um, and, and that's getting you know closer and closer to confirmed. Speaking of uh, Will Fuller or speaking of al- alphas, Will Fuller remains that far and away. Deshaun Watson, number one, with yet another big game on Sunday. Hall's in six of his seven looks for 108 yards and a TD. Looked like he was going to have a second, just barely dropped it at the, the end there. But he is the apple to Watson's eye. He's definitely the first place he looks first, second, third. Uh, Cooks, meanwhile, <laughs> runs a, a route the entire game and then gets a complete goose egg. Nothing. Absolutely zero on the stat sheet. Uh, you wonder what happens with Bill O'Brien now gone. Uh, is that going to help or hurt? Because he does, if there's one thing fantasy-wise that that B.O.B. did well, and he didn't do fucking anything well, but he did love to pepper an alpha number one, and, and that had been fuller for three out of four games so far this year, outside the only one where he's stretching. Of course, again, there's that risk of injury. Always exists uh, bigger with fuller than pretty much anyone else in the league. So, yeah, yeah ultimately, mm, dare I say sell high, uh, maybe that gives you a little optimism if you own Cooks, but he still clearly is that guy, Will Fuller. Um, let's get down to, to some followers. We talked about uh, DJ Moore, whereas you know Anderson was the riser, DJ Moore was the faller. Let's get into a few other guys, and, and maybe the most frustrating, the fucking bane of my existence. Fuck this motherfucker. I hate him beyond all belief. This is reaching Corey Davis levels of hate for me. Kenyon fucking Drake. Is it time to smash the panic button? I, I mean, I certainly think so. If you can't get it done now, a back-to-back juicy spots to dominate, none juicier than the silver platter of the Carolina Panthers' run defense. And he gets 35 yards on 13 carries, zero targets. Chase Edmonds gets the touchdown and, and is the one getting out in space. What the fuck is going on with Kenyon Drake, guys? I mean, I was all aboard the Hype Express. I certainly loved like the touchdown upside with this offense getting better. It certainly has. That narrative's come true. The air raid has taken off. You know, Hopkins has helped them reach a new level. But what's going on with Kenyon motherfucking Drake? They seem to just like line up in shotgun and just run his ass into the lineman right up the gut. And then they get creative when Edmonds comes in and use him in the screen game and split him out. Why? 
but not with Drake, even though he absolutely feasted last year, getting outside, getting into space, using him. But he looks kind of sluggish. I, I, It's just, I, I'm getting nervous. I am getting very nervous. I, this point, like, do you sell him? Because what are you going to fucking get for him? If you can get anything worthwhile for Kenyon Drake, I honestly don't think this turns around. I, as a, a heavily invested Drake owner, would love a decent offer for him because I'll take it. Give me something. Give me a, a wide receiver too. Justin Jefferson, maybe. I mean, seriously, I, I don't know what to do with this guy. If you can't do it this week against Carolina, when are you? You get the Jets this last week coming up right here. Uh, and we just saw what Melvin Gordon into that team. So maybe you hold it one more week and see if, if Drake can get it together. But I'm not buying that. I, I'm done. I I wish I could have the balls to hate cut him because of how good it would feel. Sadly, I don't, but <laughs> there's nothing down there. But it's unfortunate. I wish I did. Um, time to cut A.J. Green? Yep. Time to cut Marvin Jones? Sure. Time to cut T.Y. Hilton? Absolutely. Time to cut Brandon Cooks? Okay. I'm down with them all. Let's kind of go one by one here. Uh, AJ Green, one, you know, five targets. Hall's in one of them. <laughs> nice three yards. Thanks, AJ. First, your excuse was you weren't in game shape. Then it was, you know, uh, my rapport's not there yet. Now it's just, you suck. And let's just call a spade a spade. You're not AJ Green anymore. You're done. T. Higgins is better than you. That's why he saw more targets, seven targets here. I'm done with the excuses for AJ. I never was in on him, didn't want to ever be in on him, and everybody seems to want to excuse this. Keep letting him burn a hole in your roster. I'm certainly not buying it. Don't have any interest. T. Higgins all the way over AJ Green rest of season. And it's uh, clearly the Tyler Boyd show. Another riser. I should have probably had him in the riser segment. His rapport with with Joe Burrow is so locked in. Um, So I love me some Tyler Boyd. Hate me beyond belief. Some AJ Green. Marvin Jones, another one that I I was in on and and shouldn't have been. Two targets this week. No corners starting for the Saints. Both starting corners down. And we get nine yards for Marvin Jones. One target. What? what? When's he going to do it then? If you can't do it against a bad Saints pasty without their top two players, when are you going to do it? So he can cut, he can get his ass off my team. Galladay looking great. Awesome. Hawkinson, probably the number two there. I have no interest in Marvin Jones. Send him on packing. No need to burn any more roster space with him. <laughs> Another T.Y. Hilton. This is a classic T.Y. Hilton stat line. Three of five targets for 29 yards. Nice. Good job, T.Y. Awesome. Thanks. Has not hit double digit PPR points in a single week yet. That is just a joke. And it's largely because of how bad Philip Rivers looks. That arm is cooked. Uh, we should have known that coming into the year after how bad he looked last year. We weren't that high on T.Y., you know, going McLaurin over him everywhere. But still, uh, I wish I had him even lower because he's cut bait. I, I want nothing to do with him. If there's a quarterback change at some point, maybe. But Rivers ain't delivering that deep ball. So there's no reason to hold on to T.Y. Hilton at this point, uh, in my opinion. I just don't see what he what he brings. What's he gonna? When's he going to do it? Because you can't get it downfield, so so that's the whole point, right? That's the whole point. And as we mentioned, Brandon Cook's a complete goose egg, despite running you know a route on ninety three percent of Watson's throws. And maybe you hang tight just to see who they hire and see if there's any hope there. I guess he's kind of a handcuff to Will Fuller in that sense. So out of all these options, dare I say, Cooks is like kind of the most intriguing for me. I don't see any situation where Green Jones and and Hilton turn it around, whereas Cooks maybe, but. I don't want anything to do with those guys. 
Probably the most shocking story to me too this weekend, uh, the most you know, grimace worthy was Daryl Henderson taking a back seat to Malcolm Brown. Why? Back-to-back weeks, he gets 120 yards for you. Uh, he gets endorsed as the starter. You know, McVay did say it's going to be a committee. It's going to be a, th- a three-headed nightmare. Uh, Akers gets hurt, so now it's a two-headed one. But then he endorsed him. He, he, you know, McVay has said the whole time, if a guy takes over, I'll, I'll ride with it. What else do you have to do to take over instead of getting 120 yards in back-to-back games and looking real damn good doing it? He only gets eight carries for 22 yards, gets one catch on one target, 16 yards. Meanwhile, Malcolm Brown plods his ass nine times, 37 yards, five catches for 19 yards. 61% of the snaps for Malcolm Brown is compared to 39% for Daryl Henderson. 15 opportunities for nine compared to nine. Brown gets 15. Henderson gets nine. What what do we why? He's looked so good, goddamn good. Like I I sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Football just doesn't make sense sometimes. I, I don't get it. Can't explain it. There was no injury as far as I know. If somebody knows more than me, please let me know. I think the only positive takeaway from this is maybe the job still could be Cam Akers if you're still kind of holding out hope for Cam Akers. I was ready to cut Akers because I thought Henderson had clearly taken over the starting role. And it looks to me like it's still could be in flux. That might be the one positive to come out there. Another thing that just blows my mind and and makes me want to throw up repeatedly is Jonathan Taylor. What's with the training wheels? Why won't they ride this guy? I mean, every time he touches the ball, he looks great. Uh, 17 carries for 68. So I guess that's a decent amount of carries. Doesn't do a whole ton with them. Gets his lone target for 11 yards. Nice. But ultimately, he's only in on 44% of the snaps. Naeem Hines gets 35%, gets nine carries and three targets. Wilkins gets nine fucking carries. Okay, that, that's where I lose my mind a little bit is if you want to have Hines in there, you have a little pass catching juice, okay. But why the fuck is Wilkins, Jordan fucking Wilkins, ever touching the ball above your second round stallion running back who just averaged over 2000 total yards in three straight seasons in college football. Just gets better with the work, wears down the defense, pounds him out like kind of like a Henry in that sense, but he's not getting that type of work. So I, I don't understand why, but it has to be alarming. And, and whereas we were like top 10 lock dudes, dudes in rest of season. I'm kind of backing off that a little bit. It's still in my top 20. Still would be a second rounder if I was drafting today, but this committee just does not seem to be going anywhere. It seemed like Marlon Mack's door, you know, would open the door for complete and utter feasting. I will say I have a feeling that you know down the stretch eventually it's going to become the Taylor Show, uh, but it's it's going to clearly be a waiting game until we get there. And last and certainly not least on the puke factor is this Baltimore running back. You know, are any of them worth owning at this point? Because it is by far a, the worst, most disgusting three-headed nightmare in the league. Gus Edwards <laughs> leads the team. I can't even say that without laughing. Gus Edwards leads the team in snaps. 39%. Sees nine carries. Leads the team in carries, too. Wow. Uh, J.K. Dobbin, 35% of the snaps. Only five carries, two targets. Ingram, 25%. The lowest of the three. Ingram. He gets the touchdown, but eight carries, one target. I mean, how are you going to ever put one of those guys in your lineup unless one gets hurt? So, yeah, I mean, I love Dobbins, love the player. 
still, you know, if he ever took over, could be a league winner. But he's not. He's not getting the work. It, it's it's Gus Edwards getting more work right now. And that why would that change? I, I don't see why there would be a sudden awakening. I, I guess it's working for them somewhat. Uh, not really, but that that's what Roman said we're going to do. We're going to keep it unpredictable. Uh, we're going to make you guess what we're doing. And, uh, I mean, that's that's what it's become. So that's a nightmare. You can't use any of them on a week-to-week basis. And I think, honestly, if you, if you need to cut somebody for some bench space, any of those three are cuttable at this point. And last but not least, let's look at some waiver wire potential here. Uh, as we mentioned, T. Higgins out-targeting, out-producing A.J. Green by a long shot here. Uh, goes 77 yards, four catches a week after having two touchdowns. He's 33% owned, and he would be my priority pickup this week. Uh, he really seems to be trending the right way. I wish I had the show on earlier, but Damian Harris, if you could have scooped him before the game, we'll see what he does tonight. But he's off IR, got all that training camp buzz that he was the dominant three-down guy and looked great. And, and he is a bruising type of guy uh, that fits the identity of what this team wants quite well. So at 25% owned, I, that's number jumped up a bit since he got activated, but I still think could be the hottest running back pickup of the week. Next to, of course, Dearness Johnson. Uh, we mentioned the the backup to Hunt. So, you, you know, the, the number two guy there should see eight to 10 carries. Don't know how much I trust it, but uh, it, it's worth it if you're completely desperate for a running back. I do love me some LaVisca Chenault who continues to get more and more involved. Uh, seems to benefit from when Chark's out there because he can get that secondary attention. Got five, uh, six targets, hauls in five, 86 yards, and just looking great as we expect after the catch. Didn't see much run game featuring this week, and none actually, but I, I still like what he's showing. He is a player. He belongs, um, and, and if he's going to see six to ten touches a week, he belongs on your team too. Uh, so I'm I'm a big fan of him. And again, Dearnest, uh, just to put up the stats there, 13 carries for 95 yards, the AAF stud himself. So fits the scheme, gets what's blocked, uh, can run with some power. Interesting there. One of my favorite, maybe the highest upside guy on the waiver wire, though, is Justin Herbert. What a performance from this guy that nobody is really harping on here. 20 completions on 25 throws. I mean, 80% completion rate. Beautiful. And it wasn't just like dink, dink, dink. And yeah, a lot of it was, but he can sling it deep. He took his shots and he completed nearly all of them. 290 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Um, and that was without Mike Williams and Austin Eckler for the majority of the game. Just still going pretty crazy. Um, I, I really like what the kid's showing. He looks legit. And all three touchdowns, again, went to undrafted players. So he's elevating people. He's passing the eyeball test. Uh, the only way this gets ruined is if somehow, some way, Anthony Lynn goes fucking back <laughs> to Tyrod Taylor. How could you at this point, though? I mean, the way that um, that he's playing, Justin Herbert. And the schedule is an absolute cakewalk. I just want to make sure to emphasize how much of a joke he has coming up. So if you're desperate for a QB or you want like a nice guy for your bench, he gets New Orleans next week. Who knows what their corners are going to look like? He gets the Jets the week after, <laughs> Miami, Jacksonville, Vegas, all leading into the bye. What matchup scares you there? So a, a juicy, juicy schedule for some juicy, juicy talent. I like it all. 
Robert Tunyon also still yet to play, so he might be there at Yahoo. You you don't have to wait to pick up people um, that haven't played yet. I would make him a stash. I, I think with with obviously Adams out tonight, we could see some nice work to Tunyon uh, in general. You know, back to back touchdown games. I, I think he's a definitely Lazard also now out for you know four to six weeks. All kind of adds up to me. Uh, thinking you know Tunyon could be an interesting tight end on a week where there's really nothing else out there at tight end. The last names to consider, you know, Edmonds is only 35% owned. And as we said, Drake sucks. So there's a chance Edmonds takes over at some point. And believe it or not, I think that role can still be valuable uh, because of how good that offense is. Um, I also got to mention Scotty Miller going completely bananas this weekend uh, with all those injuries around him. The offense seemed to be a little bit more like old school Patriots slot, dink, 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 83 yards, touchdown on seven targets, five catches. Not bad from Scotty Miller for 16% owned. Uh, definitely intriguing tight end. I mean, a wide receiver. And then you got Justin Jackson, 5% owned. Obviously, the news with Eckler. Uh, he could be – Kelly has not been that impressive that that Jackson couldn't take that job from him. Um, we'll see how it goes as the, the lead guy, but Jackson could take that over. Um, Brian Hill's only 30% owned. If you can sneak him in before tonight's game kicks off, just looks better than Gurley. And the last name is, is Tim Patrick, 2% owned, but goes for 100 in a TD. I mean, he's involved. So someone there. But thanks so much for those of you that tuned in during the, the football games here. And if you caught the replay or the fantasy fullback dive, we paved your path to 2020 titles. Thanks so much for that as well. Uh, hoping to see you guys tomorrow for the live ranking show right around 5 p.m. Eastern time for Tuesday. Uh, Wolfpack, you guys are the best. Thanks again for your support. Any likes, comments, uh, always went a long way and uh, reviews of the podcast and subscriptions on YouTube where we need your help the most. So Wolfpack, thanks so much. Uh, you guys are the best. And until tomorrow, we'll see you later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show. Football right there, folks.